If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to Dark Rum Podcast. My name's Turtle. I'm Kyle. This is a very special episode. We're not going to be talking about anything specific. We're going to be reading one of our all-time favorite stories. Creepypastas, technically. R- right, Kyle? Yes. I'm trying to find Also, <laughs> we're going to have some guest stories uh, a little bit towards the end there after this story. Yes. For our special Halloween day, we got some special guests that are going to come on after we read our story. And they're going to tell their stories. So we got a special collaboration treat for everybody. Yeah, collaboration treat. Halloween or is holiday of collaborations. Is it a Halloween trick? It's not. It's definitely a treat. Yeah, it's but here's the trick. Happen. I'm going to be on their podcast telling a story. That's your trick right there. Yeah, he is a trick for a little bit of money. Ryan for will do almost anything. Five bucks. <laughs> all, right. all right i'm gonna start this is uh I'm, i think i'm i'm safe in saying one of the best known creepy pastas um i don't know it's it's pretty up it's there it's up there i don't most think pe- people know it as a creepy pasta which is what's funny about it oh maybe i maybe most people would think it's a it's, real thing it's yeah it's it's just like this story circulated the internet for ye- i mean years and years now it's probably pre-creepypasta but i'm not sure no 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 it was it was with creepypastas um but so it is the russian sleep experiment uh um, i'm just gonna jump right into it yeah you do that because that's so avoided russian researchers in the late 1940s kept five people awake for 15 days using an experimental gas based stimulant they were kept in a sealed environment to carefully monitor their oxygen intake so the gas didn't kill them, since it was toxic in high concentrations. This was before the closed-circuit cameras, so they had only microphones and 5-inch thick glass porthole-sized windows into the chamber to monitor them. The chamber was stocked with books, cots to sleep on, but no bedding, running water and toilet, and enough dried food to last all five for over a month. The test subjects were political prisoners deemed enemies of the state during World War II. Everything was fine for the first five days. The subjects hardly complained, having been promised falsely that they would be freed if they submitted to the test and did not sleep for 30 days. Their conversations and activities were monitored, and it was noted that they continued to talk about increasingly traumatic incidents in their past and the general tone of their conversations took on a darker aspect after the four-day mark. After five days, they started to complain about the circumstances and events that led them to where they are and started to demonstrate severe paranoia. 
they stopped talking to each other and began alternately whispering to the microphones and one-way mirrored portholes. Oddly, they seemed to think they could win the trust of the experimenters by turning over their comrades, the other subjects, in captivity with them. At first, the researchers suspected this was an effect of the gas itself. After nine days, the first of them started screaming. He ran the length of the chamber, repeatedly yelling at the top of his lungs for three hours straight. He continued attempting to scream, but was only able to produce the occasional squeak. The researchers postulated that he had physically torn his vocal cords. The most surprising thing about this behavior is how the other captives reacted to it, or rather, didn't react to it. They continued whispering to the microphones until the second of the captives started to scream. The two non-screaming captives took the books apart, smeared pages after page with their own feces, and pasted them calmly over the glass portholes. The screaming promptly stopped. So did the whispering to the microphones. After three more days passed, the researchers checked the microphones hourly to make sure they were working, since they thought it impossible that no sound could be coming with five people inside. The oxygen consumption in the chamber indicated that all five must still be alive. In fact, it was the amount of oxygen five people would consume at a very high, heavy level of strenuous activity. On the morning of the 14th day, the researchers did something they said they would not do to get a reaction from the captives. They used the intercom inside the chamber, hoping to provoke the response. any response from the captives they were afraid were either dead or vegetables. They announced, We are opening the chamber to test the microphones. Step away from the door and lie flat on the floor or you will be shot. Compliance will earn one of you your immediate freedom. To their surprise, they heard a single phrase in a calm voice respond, We no longer want to be freed. Debate broke out amongst the researchers and the military forces funding the research. Unable to provoke any more responses using the intercom, it was finally decided to open the chamber at midnight on the 15th day. The chamber was flushed of the stimulant gas and filled with fresh air, and immediately voices from the microphones began to object. Three different voices began begging, as if pleading for the life of a loved one, to turn the gas back on. The chamber was opened and soldiers sent, and soldiers sent in to retrieve the test subjects. They began to scream louder than ever, and so did the soldiers when they saw what was inside. Four of the subjects were still alive, although no one could rightly call the state that any of them in life. The food rations past day five had not been so much as touched. There were chunks of meat from the dead test subjects' thighs and chest stuffed into the drain in the center of the chamber, blocking the drain and allowing four inches of water to accumulate on the floor. Precisely how much of the water on the floor was actually blood was never determined. All four surviving test subjects also had large portions of muscle and skin torn away from their bodies. The destruction of flesh and exposed bone on their fingertips indicated that the wounds were inflicted by hand, not with teeth as the researchers initially thought. 
closer examination of the position and angles of the wounds indicated that most, if not all of them, were self-inflicted. The abdominal organs below the ribcage of all four test subjects had been removed, while the heart, lungs, and diaphragm remained in place. The skin and most of the muscles attached to the ribs had been ripped off, exposing the lungs through the ribcage. All the blood vessels and organs remained intact. They had just been taken out and laid on the floor, founding out around the eviscerated but still living bodies of the subjects. The digestive tract of all four could be seen to be working, digesting food. It quickly became apparent that what they were digesting was their own flesh that they had ripped off and eaten over the course of days. Most of the soldiers were Russian special operatives at the facility, but still many refused to return to the chamber to remove the test subjects. They continued to scream to be left in the chamber and alternately begged and demanded that the gas be turned back on, lest they fall asleep. To everyone's surprise, the test subjects put, a fierce, put up a fierce fight in the process of being removed from the chamber. One of the Russian soldiers died from having his throat ripped out. Another was gravely injured by having his testicles ripped off, and an artery in his leg severed by one of the subject's teeth. Another five of the soldiers lost their lives, if you count ones that committed suicide in the weeks following the incident. In the struggle, one of the four living subjects had his spleen ruptured and he bled out almost immediately. The medical researchers attempted to sedate him, but this proved impossible. He was injected with more than 10 times the human dose of a morphine derivative and still fought like a cornered animal, breaking the ribs and arm of one doctor. When Hart was seen to be beating for a full two minutes after he had bled out, to the point there was more air in his vascular system than blood. Even after it stopped, he continued to scream and flail for another three minutes, struggling to attack anyone in reach and just repeating the word, more, over and over, weaker and weaker, until he finally fell silent. The surviving three test subjects were heavily restrained and moved to the medical facility, the two with intact vocal cords continuously begging for the gas, demanding to be kept awake. The most injured of the three was taken to the only surgical operating room that the facility had. In the process of preparing the subject to have his organs placed back with inside his body, it was found that he was effectively immune to the sedative they had given him to prepare for the surgery. He fought furiously against his restraints, and when the anesthetic gas was brought out to put him under... He managed to tear most of the way through a four-inch-wide leather strap on one wrist, even though the weight of a 200-pound soldier holding that wrist as well. It took only a little more anesthetic than normal to put him under, and the instant his eyelids fluttered closed, his heart stopped. In the autopsy of the test subject that died on the operating table, it was found that his blood had tripled the normal level of oxygen. His muscles that were still attached to his skeleton were badly torn, and he had broken nine bones in his struggle to not be subdued. Most of them were from the force his own muscles had exerted on them. The second survivor had the, fir 
had been the first of the group of five to start screaming. His vocal cords were destroyed. He was unable to beg or object to the surgery, and he only reacted by shaking his head violently in disapproval when the anesthetic gas was brought near him. He shook his head yes when someone suggested reluctantly that they try surgery without anesthetic and did not react for the entire six-hour procedure of replacing his abdominal organs and attempting to cover them with what remained of his skin. The surgeon presiding stated repeatedly that it should be medically possible for the patient to still be alive. One terrified nurse assisting the surgery stated that she had seen the patient's mouth curl into a smile several times whenever his eyes met hers. When the surgery ended, the subject looked at the surgeon and began to wheeze loudly, attempting to talk while struggling. Assuming this must be something of drastic importance, the surgeon had a pen and pad fetched so the patient, the patient could write his message. It was simple. Keep cutting. The other two test subjects were given the same surgery, both without anesthetic as well. Although they had been injected with a paralytic for the duration of the operation, the surgeon found it impossible to perform the operation while the patient laughed continuously. Once paralyzed, the subject could only follow the attending researcher with the researchers with their eyes. The paralytic cleared their system in an abnormally short period of time, and they were soon trying to escape their bonds. The moment they could speak, they were again asking for the stimulant gas. The researchers tried asking why they had injured themselves, why they had ripped out their own guts, and why they wanted to be given the gas again. Only one response was given. I must remain awake. All three subjects' restraints were reinforced, and they were placed back into the chamber awaiting determination as to what should be done with them. The researchers facing the wrath of the military, their military benefactors for having failed the stated goals of their project considered euthanizing the surviving subjects. The commanding officer, a former KGB agent, instead saw potential and wanted to see what would happen if they were put back on the gas. The researchers strongly objected, but they were overruled. In preparation for being sealed in the chamber again, the subjects were connected to an EEG monitor and had their restraints padded for long-term confinement. To everyone's surprise, all three stopped struggling the moment it was let slip that they were going back on the gas. It was obvious that at this point, all three were putting up a great struggle to stay awake. One of subjects that could speak was humming loudly and continuously. The mute subject was straining his legs against the leather bonds with all his might. First left then right, then left again, for something to focus on. The remaining subject was holding his head off his pillow and blinking rapidly, having been the first to be wired for EEG. Most of the researchers were monitoring his brain waves in surprise. They were normal most of the time, but sometimes flatlined inexplicably. It looked as if he were repeatedly suffering brain death before returning to normal. As they focused on paper scrolling out of the brainwave monitor, only one nurse saw his eyes slip shut at the same moment his head hit the pillow. His brainwaves immediately changed to that of deep sleep, then flatlined for the last time as his heart simultaneously stopped. 
the only remaining subject that could speak started screaming to be sealed in now. His brave waves showed the same flatline as one who had just died from falling asleep. The commander gave the order to seal the chamber with both subjects inside, as well as three researchers. One of the unnamed three immediately drew his gun and shot the commander point-blank between the eyes, then turned the gun on the mute subject and blew his brains out as well. He pointed his gun at the remaining subject, still restrained to a bed as the remaining members of the medical and research team fled the room. I won't be locked in here with these things. Not with you, he screamed at the man strapped to the table. What are you, he demanded. I must know. The subject smiled. Have you forgotten so easily? The subject asked. We are you. We are the madness that lurks within you all begging to be free at every moment in your deepest animal mind. We are what you hide from in your beds every night. We are what you sedate into silence and paralysis when you go to the nocturnal haven where we cannot tread. The researcher paused and aimed at the subject's heart and fired. The EEG flatlined as the subject weakly choked out, so nearly free. And that was the Russian sleep experiment. I still love it. I haven't read it in a while. I didn't read it purposely in anticipation of this, so it'd be fresh in my mind. No, I was trying to see if it had the author, but it doesn't, does it? No, it says author unknown. Nice. Yeah. It's it's been around for a long time. Yeah. Um, All right. So now we're going to cut to a story from our friend Gif on the Chungus cast. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey everybody, and this is a GIF from the Chungus cast with my uh, reoccurring weekly guest, Andrew. Say what's up. How's it going, everybody? Um, And we are submitting our submission, I guess, not to be redundant, for the Dark Rum Halloween Spectacular podcast. So uh, yeah, without further ado, let's just jump into it. We both have a paranormal story for you. Um, And then also, if we have extra time, I will get to a little a little bit of a not not a personal story but something that I think the uh dark rum audience would appreciate. Um so Andrew, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um so I for those of you who have listened to the Chungus cast and for those of you who are just hearing us, um once in a while my topics kind of delve into the esoteric um and I've had an interest in the paranormal for a long time. And a lot of the times uh, when I'll come to GIF with something, he'll be like, I don't think that actually happened, Uh, especially with regard to things like uh, electronic voice phenomena and stuff where um, you think you capture a ghost voice on an audio recorder. That's not what I'm here to talk about. I wanted to talk about an experience that happened to me about five years ago now. Um, in my aunt's farmhouse. And this farmhouse is in uh, northern Ohio, 
um, not too far from Lake Erie. Um, it was built around 1870-ish. So a good amount of history um, just in that house. I believe my uh, my family has lived there, I want to say, give or take about 20, 20 years now. Um, and I went up to visit them a little after Christmas about five years ago. And me and my brother uh, were staying in their guest room upstairs. They have a, you know, three or four bedrooms and they use one as a guest room and just for storage and stuff. So while we were there, I'm in the upstairs bathroom, uh, which is located next to the guest room where me and my brother were going to be sleeping that night. And I come out of the bathroom, I wash my hands, and I stand uh, right there on the landing. I'm kind of facing the stairs um, to go downstairs. Um, And then I've got the guest room on my right. And for whatever reason, I was just kind of drawn to stand in that step or just to stay uh, where I was uh, without just walking back downstairs and joining my brother and my dad and my aunt and my uncle. Um, So something catches my attention and I pause there for maybe about 10, 15 seconds. It wasn't a long amount of time, but long enough that why would I just stand in that spot if there's nothing really drawing me to it? And that, that was half of it. And the other half was as soon as I'm sort of acknowledging huh, it's weird that I'm still standing here. Um, I hear what sounds like a voice come out of the guest room. And it wasn't a whisper. It was definitely like a low... It wasn't particularly loud, but it wasn't a whisper. But it was loud enough to catch my attention and make me think it wasn't just like the house settling or whatever. And... There was a very audible start and end to that voice. But the only, the thing is, it wasn't saying anything um, that I could really interpret. It sounded like gibberish or if you've ever taken a record and played it backwards, it sounded exactly like that. So then I'm just sitting there listening to the voice, which I can only describe as sounding like, you know, like very typical, stereotypical ghost voice, right? It stops after maybe five seconds or so. And I think, holy shit, like (laughs) that's got to be a ghost. So then I go downstairs um, and I was completely sober. I had plenty of sleep the night before I go downstairs and it was weird enough that I, I brought it up to um, just my brother, my dad, my aunt and uncle um, sitting downstairs at the kitchen table. And my aunt goes, yeah, you know, like our grandson refuses to go in that room. And there have been times, one time I was in there uh, when he was little and I was just sitting in a rocking chair, um, you know, kind of rocking him back and forth while he was taking a nap. 
and then I see as I'm facing the door, which I had uh, propped open, I have it, I see it swing shut in a motion um, that couldn't have been because of a draft or uh, just because of gravity. A very obvious, okay, this door closed when it shouldn't have. So then <laughs> I'm like, great, uh, me and my brother are sleeping in the haunted guest room. So <laughs> that night, um, we basically just uh, spent a lot of time uh, shit-talking this ghost. <laughs> just like, hey, come on, what are you going to do? Like, well, what? come on, coward, like, you know, do something. And um, And the ghost didn't end up bugging us. But yeah, that was the only time in my life where I've really heard something or noticed something outside the realm of what I consider to be like a normal physical experience. Do you think, do you think it's possible that uh, Andrew's brother or you has become possessed by the ghost and that has caused troubles in your life? I don't think it has. I think it's very, I mean, if I'm getting really into it, I think there are probably different types of spirits. And I think what people consider to be poltergeist activity might be energy um because if you get really into i'm not going to get too into what i think is happening um kind of outside our physical realm but if let's say that in the in a quantum sense all time is occurring at once there's no past present and future there's no linear path to it i think it's possible that energy um, can get trapped in spaces. So let's say if there's a previous homeowner that lived there, maybe they died in the home, maybe they didn't, um, but they have an energetic tie to that physical space, then maybe that moment will continually exist regardless of if the person's past um, or not. Oh, okay, so this is like an interstellar wormhole situation. Yeah, and I think that's probably, that's probably, I think, what, we're leaning toward as a society. Um, I think that this is going to sound a little far out for some of the listeners, but I think that we're entering a space where science is rapidly catching up with the realm we don't understand. And there's so much um, that we're learning about quantum mechanics and consciousness and how it all blends together i think we're starting to get to a space where that makes sense but oh well my my story i think directly refutes that argument okay sure let's hear it so um i used to spend a lot of time in my basement um because that's where like our only tv was or not our only tv but our biggest tv and it had uh that's where the DVR was, the surround sound system. So I would spend a lot of time down there playing Xbox, watching TV. And it's very it gets pretty dark down there. Um, and then at one point, we had uh, just a regular phone plugged into the wall. And so um, it was getting late. It was around dusk. And uh, the phone rang. And usually I just, as a, as like a younger kid, I think I was like, I don't know. It was maybe late middle school, early high school. I would run over there and just answer it just so I could get back to playing whatever I was doing, playing video games, watching TV. And this time I, I 
opened the phone and I, I said, hello. And I heard nothing for like five seconds. And then I heard, I don't even know how to describe it, but it was like this old timey person's voice. They didn't have any sort of an accent. The, honestly, their accent was very similar to mine, I guess, if if I if people consider my to me to have an English a, a sort of mid mid Atlantic accent, I guess, but it was it was pronounced in a way that like you could tell that the person was um from a different time from a different generation that probably had no overlap with my generation so older than my grandparents basically and he but it was it was it was almost like he was from the same area of the country but i don't know how how i could tell he was but he said to me uh is there anybody dead there? And I, and at first I was like, no way he just said that. And so I said, uh, excuse me, did you ask if there was somebody dead here? And he said, yes. Is there anybody dead there? But he had such a twang to his voice that it was almost like, I, I just knew he was from a different time, you know? Um, and he was directly addressing me. He was asking me if there was somebody dead there, almost like he was, the the communication of the dead or he was uh, he was new to communicating with other people of the, who are dead and he was like he was lost basically <laughs> so what happened after that did you hang up or yeah i hung up and went away and i didn't tell anybody about it until now actually really did so i mean do you never got the sense it was somebody like playing a prank or something i i well that's obviously the most logical theory but it just makes no sense why would it be like this oh and i guess person who was in like their their middle age who had like a deep a deep voice it was not a kid you know and it was not somebody's parent that would do something that dumb you could just tell like either 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 it was and they're an insanely good actor like matthew mcconaughey or or it was legitimately a legit request. It just sounded so genuine. Um, I I just like if it was somebody who was playing a prank, like even if they're not cracking up, you would expect their voice to be a little more high pitched, maybe to be a little like just an air of 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 hystericalness or something. Just something to tip you off that this person's messing with you. And there was just nothing, nothing even close to that. It was the opposite. It was almost so real that i was shocked honestly i didn't know what to do yeah that was kind of how i mean and i I really and i you know to this day i regret i regret not answering and saying why would you want to know that like who where are you calling from etc so i guess my last question um because obviously uh, that i might not i might not be here talking to you if i did that who knows (laughs) was there caller id on the phone no it was so it was Color ID was around. It wasn't like I'm not that old, but um, we had just bought like a really cheap phone from Radio Shack, and it was like the ones. It wasn't like a rotary, but it was like the ones you like pick up. It was the banana. You pick it up, and then the the buttons are on the phone. Yeah, but I guess my question is like, did you have like a newer phone in the house where you could like, yeah, go but back I, and but, check? Oh no, I. I don't know if we had caller ID, but it was it was like to the extent where like you could see who was calling while when they were calling, not 
not, not like you like, have had a compository of like everybody who yeah there wasn't like a, a call history and if there was i didn't check it i don't know if i would want to check after <laughs> you know after i mean it would that. probably just say unknown or something and there were plenty of those that came through at that time so yeah i mean <laughs> or it might say like 666 god <laughs> No, I, I that would be so stupid. Why would the why would they have those numbers as like they're they're <laughs> calling from six six six? If you ever want to go down a terrifying rabbit hole, I I did see this. Um, it must have been on like the paranormal four chan board or somebody. But somebody asked basically, can demons like manipulate like phone numbers and like text messages and stuff? And I found this article from the Philippines, so take it with a grain of salt. I didn't recognize the news source. But it was basically saying that these priests were in the middle of an exorcism. And they had, like, literal screenshots of, like, iMessage or, like, a newer smartphone where um, what they thought was this demon, whatever, from, you know, a weird number was, like, mocking them like you'll never save her or whatever or like you know just mocking god and just doing all the stereotypical demon shit so i think that if if ghosts are real and spirits are real um i don't see why them manipulating a telephone to bring you that message is outside the realm of possibility but it just makes no sense because it was like like if you wanted to mess with somebody that's not how you would do it you wouldn't say like is there anybody dead there it was like it was almost like he wanted to talk to somebody specifically and he was just he just like it was like oh you're you like tried to get a like an uber by like hailing a taxi cab he just didn't know the right procedure yet but <laughs> that's it was almost like there's like this other like but it wasn't there was no sort of like he almost like didn't know what he was doing, but at the same time, he wasn't like trying to freak me out. He was just like making a request that was normal to him, but it was obviously wrong because I, you know, how that that makes no no sense to me. So I don't know. It just just seemed weird. I mean, do you know if anybody's passed on the property? On my property? Yeah. Um, I'm sure I'm sure people have. Uh, the house is. The exact spot where I'm living is pr- is pretty like there's been no house before my parents. Um, we live pretty close to a Civil War trench, but I don't know. It could have just been like even outside the the physical location. Like maybe it was. A yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like because it's, it's a phone. Yeah. What if he just like got on a phone line and just followed it to my to my <laughs> but how i don't know so many questions uh okay well that's all i have andrew do you have anything else um not really just um friendly halloween word of advice don't fuck with ouija boards i'm telling you yeah <laughs> uh, i think you're i don't think you, i'm just being little, paranoid and that's not just my christian guilt i'm just saying don't that's a do little it. anti anti voodoo of you just kidding um okay yeah happy halloween everybody Uh, bye thanks gift that was awesome Woo! and now we have a story from matthew from west coast radio my name is matthew i host a podcast called west coast radio you can find that wherever you like to listen to your podcasts or go to westcoastradiopodcast.com i really think you'll like the show so check it out all right, thank you very much for having me on your Halloween episode. I'm very happy to be here. 
I want to tell you very quickly that um, there are some points in this story where it's impossible to describe with the human language. So I'll let you know where those points in the story are. But yeah, it's just too hard to describe with the human language. So um, it's just too far out there. And the other thing is this. I just want to promise your audience that this is 100% true. There's no exaggerations. It happened. I remember it clear as day. And um, all right, I'll get into it. So 12 years ago, my puppy Apollo, who is still very beautiful and healthy, Apollo had never had an aggressive day in his life. And I was 14 then. Uh, Apollo would sleep at the corner of my bed every night. And one day, uh, halfway through the summertime, Apollo started to growl. And that had never happened before. So he started to growl and it got so intense that I felt the vibrations of him growling. I felt them on my feet and it got me to open my eyes. And as I'm you know, coming to, as I'm waking up, Apollo gets more and more aggressive and it gets to the point where I'm, I'm fully awake. Apollo is growling, he's barking, and he's not jumping off of my bed, but he's like, he's like jumping off at the edge of my bed, but he won't jump off my bed. And I just thought, what the fuck is going on? And I look at him and then I look up and I see it. So at the corner of my room, there is this very humanoid figure. And it was incredibly skinny. It was no more than five feet tall, very short. And the whole outline of this, this whole thing was the color black. But it wasn't black like you're looking at a piece of construction paper that's black. It was black almost exactly like you're looking at the night sky. So when you look up at the night sky, it's an infinite sort of blackness. And that's what this thing was. It was literally like you're looking at nighttime, the night sky. So... Um, at the same time though, I could make out its eye sockets. I could make out the nose. I could make out the bone structure of its cheek. All the, all the features were very sharp and I could also make out what it was wearing. Now, what it was wearing was, um, I tell people to look up a traditional Korean dress. You could compare it to that. You could compare it to, um, maybe like the robes that a samurai would wear underneath samurai armor. Um, and also I remember distinctly that these robes were cut off at the forearm and at the shin area of this thing's body. Uh, they, they were very baggy and I saw that the, especially at, at the arm. So where it was cut off at the forearm, it just, it just hung. The robes hung very low off of this thing's limbs. So seeping out of every single pore of this thing was this gaseous like space dust. Uh, This is the part where it's impossible to describe with the human language, this next part, but coming out of this thing, almost like out of every single pore of its body, outlining it was the color I could use is closest to purple, but it was, it was, um, it was glowing. It was radiating. And it was like, um, it was like peppered with little stars. They were shiny little tiny star things. Like it literally literally looked like it was outlined by the galaxy or something with a purplish glow to it. Very difficult for me to describe. I'm sorry. I'm doing the best I can. And once I, I was, when I was taking it in, it, I had a brief moment where I don't think it saw me necessarily. And then I just registered that it saw me. And it started to walk towards me. 
And when it walked towards me, it put one foot in front of the other, one arm in front of the other, and in a super exaggerated way, almost like a super exaggerated form of how a supermodel would walk down the runway, very bizarrely exaggerated. And it was also not making impact with the ground, if that makes sense. Like it was being pushed forward on a, on a roller, on um, roller skates or something. It was gliding towards me. It wasn't, it wasn't walking in the way any human could walk towards you. It was a glide. But at the same time, I saw one foot in front of the other, one arm in front of the other. I saw it walking, but it was a glide, smooth motion that it walked towards me. Um, I never felt that I was in danger for my life. I never felt that this thing was demonic. Uh, and I've told this story a lot, so I do have a conclusion as to what I think happened. And here's how the story wrapped up before I get to that conclusion. Uh, it walks, it's walking towards me. And at this point, I can't even hear my dog barking. I, I can acknowledge that it's happening, but I can't even hear it anymore. I am totally awestruck by how beautiful this thing is. It is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life from the way that it was walking towards me, that smoothness, that glide to that space dust that was coming out of it. It was so gorgeous and otherworldly. I had learned about this ever since I was little going to church. Uh, and Midnight Mass on Netflix does a really good job talking about this. In the Bible, when people see angels, they get really afraid because they're seeing something otherworldly. That's how I interpret it. When you see something from another world, something magnificent, I think it just jars you because we're only able to process, our brains are only able to process what's here on earth. So if you see something otherworldly, you're like, what the fuck? And that's how I felt afraid of this thing. Um, so it's walking towards me, it gets right up to me, it's hovering over me, and then I remember that it's, it's chin dipped, and it was looking right down at me at this point, and then I see that my dog's barking, I, I come, kind of come back to, and I can hear my dog barking again, and there's a voice in my brain that goes, okay, just close your eyes, run straight to the light switch, and you just got to do that. No matter what, you just have to do that. So I close my eyes. I run to the light switch. I turn the light switch on. I turn my television on. I grab my dog and I have an adrenaline dump and I just start crying for like an hour until it's like 4.30 in the morning and I go and I walk uh, and, and, I, and I wake my parents up and tell them what happened. But of course, what can they do? Um, and that's my experience. That's what happened. Uh, here's... My conclusion, fellas, what I believe is not that it was a ghost. I don't think uh, it was a demon. I think that, um, you know, maybe there's a lot of dimensions. Maybe there's a lot of dimensions in this world, and uh, we're just one of them. So who's to say that sometimes there's not like a rip in this world and the next world, and, and maybe they mold, they uh, combine for a second or something. You know what I mean? I'm just saying maybe the veil gets torn and for a brief moment of time, two realities cross paths. Maybe that happens. Um, and maybe that thing was just as afraid of me as I was afraid of it. But yeah, that's what happened. And I've never had a real paranormal experience since. Uh, Apollo was right back to normal and it was just very, very jarring, I would say. That's the best way I can describe it. I don't think this thing wanted to hurt me. Um, but yeah, 
the best way I could describe it now is I think that maybe something just came into our dimension. Maybe something just came into our reality. Uh, I do feel like it saw me. I, I definitely feel like it acknowledged me and walked right up to me. I know that for a fact. So whether or not it was visiting me deliberately or not, I'm not sure. Um, but I feel like uh, my best guess is it wasn't a ghost. It was something from a different dimension or reality or something. It sounds crazy. I know that. I do. But that's my experience. I want to thank you very much for allowing me to share that story. My name is Matthew. I host the West Coast Radio Podcast. Go to westcoastradiopodcast.com or look up West Coast Radio wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. And happy Halloween. Well, that was horrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And keep in mind, I will be telling my story on West Coast Radio. So uh, give their podcast a listen if you haven't already. And uh, see if you like what I have to say. I didn't. Yeah, Kyle did not. He said, no, I hate telling stories. Never again. No, it's so scary. No, oh, no, my stories are so scary. I can't do it. I'll terrify the poor people. <laughs> That's what Kyle said. If you like this episode, you want to hear us do more creepypastas, let us know at uh, darkroomstories at gmail.com. Or if you have your own paranormal stories that you'd like to share with us, once again, send it there. Uh, you could also find us at Twitter and Instagram at Dark Rum Podcast. And you can also find all of our shows and every episode for this show at rumrunnerspodcastnetwork.com. All right. So everyone have a happy and safe Halloween and, uh, you know, have a great day. Or try and get bit by a werewolf. I mean, maybe that could be cool if it, you know, lets you live. <laughs>